College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 47 of the podcast. All right, here we are into week two, getting her done. And uh, welcome back to the College Student Success Podcast. I am really psyched today because I have an awesome interview for you. And it is a beautiful morning here in New Jersey. And it really does, uh, for me, sort of represent the first day of fall in a sense because last week was hella hot and humid and gross. And, uh, you know, we turned the page into week two and now we are in a bit of a cooler weather pattern here in the Northeast. So um, enjoy it. Enjoy, uh, you know, wearing a hoodie now at night and, um, you know, putting an extra blanket on the bed, uh, turning off the air conditioners for a week or so, hopefully a little longer. I don't know if winter, uh, summer will be back, but let's talk college student success, shall we, for college students with mental health issues. So today uh, I have an interview with uh, Brian Robin of Take Your Success, and we uh, talked about a lot of cool shit, including, um, you know, brand building for college students, um, the value of entrepreneurship, and, and I was really uh, excited to hear Brian's story of how he got started, and I think that's a really uh, cool way for people to kind of envision how they might um, start building their own brand is they see a need, you know, he talks about in this, um, in this interview today about how people were approaching him with a bunch of questions about college. And he just saw him as like, well, you know, maybe I could just, uh, start putting this out on like a website and, you know, it sort of grew from there. So little, uh, little drop of the of tidbits of what you'll hear to come in a few minutes. But first, uh, let us talk. Uh, let me just introduce a topic that I actually don't touch on, haven't touched on too much uh, in the podcast, and that's suicide. And that is a, quite a heavy topic, obviously. Um, but I felt the need to talk a little bit about it, given the fact that National Suicide Awareness Week has just passed. And I believe um, Saturday, I think, was National Suicide Awareness Day. I think it was the 10th of September. So I, uh, I was doing research for this week's episode, and I came across this, and I was like, damn, I wish I had known for episode uh, for last week's episode. But better late than never, right? I can always, uh, you know, get this information in at some point, and if it uh, helps one person out there, I think that it is um, well worth discussing for a few minutes. And I wanted to talk just briefly about the warning signs of suicide. And this will be our quick tip for today. I came across an easy to remember mnemonic about suicide. And if you are ever worried about somebody in your life, um, this is the mnemonic to remember. And you can look at these things and sort of be able to make a call as to what you would do next. So the mnemonic is three words, is path warm. So is, is the first word, I-S, and I stands for ideation. And not many people might know what suicidal ideation is, but it's basically the, the thinking about suicide, right? Most people that are not depressed and not highly anxious and, you know, don't, that do not have a mental health disorder generally do not think about hurting themselves or killing themselves. It's just not in our natural survival instinct, you know? So when somebody is, that is a huge red flag, you know? And if they're talking about it, even more so. 
So ideation is just thinking about something. So they're thinking about suicide. Um, that is a the number one, you know, reason to continue to look and examine and um, potentially get help further. Um, number two is S I S is substance abuse. So people that are uh, abusing substances, whether it be legal ones like alcohol or illegal ones like opiates, um, heroin, uh, the people are more likely to commit suicide or, or attempt it if they are under the influence of um, substances. So if you had somebody that was thinking about suicide and they were also, you know, you notice an increase in their substance usage to the point where you might be considering it, you know, abuse or dependence, uh, that is going to sort of multiply the effects of, of how worried I would be, you know, um, also access, you know, to substances. So that are the first two, IS, ideation and substance abuse. And then the second word is PATH, P-A-T-H. P stands for purposeless, pur purposelessness. So people that walk around not really feeling like they know where they belong, they walk around with no purpose in life, and they talk about that, you know, that is another red flag. Anxiety, um, pretty self-explanatory. People that experience extreme anxiety know what that can feel like, um, debilitating anxiety to the point where you don't see a way out. T, trapped, you know, speaking of not seeing a way out. Um, these are feelings that if you are talking to somebody and they are coming across, you know, this per this person feels like they have no purpose and they're expressing that, um, I could see the anxiety in them. They, they're they're um, verbalizing the fact that they feel trapped. And H, hopeless. So hopelessness is the last piece of path. So it's purposelessness, anxiety, feeling trapped and hopeless. And then warm, W-A-R-M. W is withdrawal. So withdrawal meaning somebody used to spend a lot of time in your company and have uh, in recent times withdrawn or isolating themselves. Again, another red flag to be on the lookout. A, anger. Um, people are going to express their feelings in different ways. Some will take you know, the more depression route and just be sad and, and really cry a lot. Other people will take um, a more angry route and, you know, walk around hurt and, um, you know, the, just the way that they internalize the feelings that they're feeling, the way it externalizes, whether that be in sadness or in anger, you know, it really is up to the individual person and, and you know, how they've coped in the past a lot of times. Are recklessness, so people that are taking really risky chances, whether that be um, driving, um, you know, behaviors like that, um, sexual behaviors, you know, unprotected sex, getting them, people getting themselves into really dangerous situations with people that they don't know or in bad neighborhoods. Um, you know, recklessness is a big one because, you know, that's a sign that people are not really caring and valuing their lives as much as they, you know, should be. And then the last letter M is for mood changes. And I think that that sort of sums up a lot of these um, points, you know, because these are, a lot of these are mood, right? Anger, um, anxiety, you know, feeling like you have no purpose. So if somebody is generally like this, you know, it's a little different than if somebody is normally a more optimistic person and they and a, a friend or some kind of support person sees these changes in, this, in somebody. 
um, in, a, in a short period of time, that is when I tend to be a lot more concerned. You know, not that the people that walk around always like the presenting like this are to be overlooked, um, but some people are just generally sad people, but not nearly at risk, at the risk of suicide as somebody potentially that might normally be okay and have a really bad thing happen and, and it spirals out of control very quickly. So is path warm is the uh, mnemonic to remember if you are concerned about somebody in your life, worried that they might be, you know, contemplating suicide or has talked about it openly with you. Um, the place where I got this, uh, I have a link in the show notes for today. It's at suicidology.org. And there are a lot of other resources, including um, places to call and go uh, if you're feeling this way or need more help. So with that, I'm going to go into another topic now related to college. And we're going to talk uh, about a trend I sort of pulled out of Reddit. Uh, and so I will read it today. So the topic is, this is from r.college. Um, this sub college subreddit uh it is i will link to it today in the show notes as well and the topic is called my friends are convinced i won't make any friends at university because i don't drink and refuse to be places with alcohol how much truth does this hold okay so here's their paragraph uh this is from b h v g c f talking to you buddy so he says or she i don't drink and i don't like hanging out with people while they're drinking for personal reasons when i told my friends this they said i'd have a really hard time connecting with people and having a social life like i'm aware that i'll probably miss out on quite a bit but is this the really only activity for students to engage in outside of class I'll be moving out for university too, but missed out on a decent accommodation within the dorms, but found a suitable studio apartment that's a lot more comfortable. The apartment block I'll be living in is exclusively students. Will my lack of dorm life be, and drinking habits have a significant impact on me making friends? I'm kind of nervous since I'm moving to a new city by myself without anyone I know, so I'd love some insight on how difficult this will be. Thank you. Okay, so... I had seen this question yesterday, I believe, and there was a few responses, and I just uh, refreshed it today, and there's a, a great response right at the top that sort of encapsulates a lot of what I'm going to say. So I'm going to read that one, and then I'll go into it a little more. So Study Swarmy reports, uh, yeah, not just for college, but this is going to be a challenge for life. The best advice I can give you, and he's an old guy looking back, he says, is to learn how to be around those who are drinking. In order to get along socially, we all have to learn some skills. To be nice, thoughtful, keep promises, be reliable, etc. What's difficult for a person depends on the person. So your difficult skill will be to learn how to interact with those who are drinking or getting high or whatever. You could do this if you try, because it doesn't change much after college. Alcohol is a frequently used social lubricant. Mormons go to parties, though, and people don't drink and do quite well. You can learn as well. So I really like this person's um, advice, and I think it comes from a place where life experience does play a role here. So I don't want to um, diminish this person's uh, preferences to not be around people that drink. He said, he or she said, it's personal reasons. So I don't want to speculate on what that reason might be, um, but it seems very clear that that is what they want, right? And at the same time, you know, 
they're considering this preference they have to sort of not socialize with people that don't use alcohol. But at the same time, this concern that, you know, is this going to really impact my ability to socialize and make friends? And I think that this response sort of encapsulates that it potentially could. Um, the other people responded, you know, it sort of depends on your school. And I definitely agree with that. I went to a pretty big party school where it was a central theme of just about all college life. Um, and I took part. <laughs> so I didn't necessarily seek out the um, sober activities, but I do know that they're out there. Um, there is sober dorms. I know you mentioned you're in an apartment, so you won't be able to take advantage of this. But if you learn where the sober living areas are on your university campus, uh, hang out there. <laughs> you know, maybe just spend some time in those areas and you're bound to meet people that don't use, right? Um, I would definitely work more on this issue though if I were this person in sort of coming to terms as to why I am why I don't want to socialize with people like that um, if there's this issue with like trauma or something like that I get it um, but I do agree with the, res the responder here is that this is not just going to be a college issue this will be a life social issue in that even when you're done with school um, alcohol is a central theme to many social functions, parties and whatnot. And this is coming from somebody that does not drink, right? You guys know my history. I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I tend to frequent a lot of places that people drink and I do not. And would I rather people not be drinking? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I would. Um, it doesn't always bother me, but it, you know, it'd be nice if it, you know, but that doesn't stop me from participating because I still enjoy people's company. And I think something that sort of is a differentiator here is people that can handle their alcohol versus people that can't, right? So the people that I choose to socialize with can, right? And I tend to think that at my age, if I was um, hanging out with people that could not handle their alcohol, I would probably end up not spending as much time with those people. I mean, you know, it's sort of an age thing in that, you know, people around my age compared to younger college students that are still sort of figuring stuff out, um, should kind of have their shit together in my opinion. And so, um, I would probably choose not to, but the people that I do see and then spend time with a drink pretty much know, you know, their limits and can get a little silly. And I enjoy that about people, um, but not go over the edge. So, for me, you know, in the beginning when I was first in recovery, I needed time away from that, right? But in time, I learned about myself. I learned what I need in friendship and what I need in order to feel like a social person. And I've come to terms with the fact that, you know, alcohol is not a part of my life either. And while I wouldn't, it would be great to spend more time with people and have drinking not be the main, um, you know, social theme or gathering, I know the, I know where I live, you know, and I know who my friends are. And I know that, you know, this was something that I was going to have to deal with, whether I was a college student or an employee, you know, that gets asked, Hey, you want to go out to the bar for a few drinks on a Friday night? And, you know, know that I could go along and not drink and actually enjoy myself. Or I might choose to be like, no, no, I think that there's other things I'd rather do. So I guess in summary, I would say to this person, 
you know, there's definitely people out there that share the same likeness as you. You may end up, even if you're not in recovery yourself, you may end up becoming friends with a lot of people that are, you know, former users that, um, are purposely not looking to spend time with other users for that reason, um, you know, because it might trigger um, cravings or, you know, bad behaviors. So they're out there. Look for, you know, sober housing places and hang around there. Look for um, places where um, people might gather for recovery-based activities and, um, you know, join in there. And I would say at the same time, be examining yourself and think about why it is you feel this way because in the long term kind of getting through those working through those issues and coming to terms with it be like you know i'm not going to drink but i'm okay now being around people that are that can hold their shit um it might just be a little bit more sustainable way to sort of be social on a consistent basis moving forward so hope that helps um i'm also going to try this year to post when I am responding to questions in Reddit. Uh, last year, I would just kind of take questions, I would field them and not actually tell people I had responded, but I think it'd be a good way to kind of get the podcast out there more. So I will respond to you, sir, and uh, include a link to today's episode. All right. So with that, I am going to now uh, turn the podcast over to an interview that I had conducted last week with Brian Robin of TakeYourSuccess.com. And so without further ado, here we go. Here's the interview. Okay. Hey, welcome back. I am here with Brian Robin of TakeYourSuccess.com. And I am really excited to have uh, Brian on the show. So Brian, uh, welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Derek. I'm pretty excited about this because I think we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. Yeah, I am too. Uh, so yeah, I was I was kind of BSing with you beforehand. I was saying this is a good kick in the ass to get started with my planning. You had reached out to me uh, to talk about you know college goals, you know everything we're going to talk about today, and it was uh, you know really great. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, what made you uh, What made you reach out? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So the first reason I just had this like special connection to college students. Because I feel like college is this unique time where, you know, you're kind of, you're out of your parents' house and you're like becoming your own man or woman. And it's really like the age where you're old enough and young enough, if that makes sense, to like design your own life and kind of, you know, take that step forward uh, into adulthood. And I, I personally did that myself and I kind of, that's why I see college as so valuable. And then um, I actually feel so strongly about it that I just wrote a book about it called How to College. But then also, um, I just saw your great resource and uh, listened to a few podcasts. I was like, man, it'd be awesome if I was on this and we could talk about some stuff. So, yeah, kind of a two-part answer that I just am very passionate about, like the college level of life. And then also, um, you just got a great podcast and resource for college students. So, I thought it'd be a cool fit. Awesome, man. And I, I think, you know, it's cool to just bring it up. It's like you're promoting a book and like I talk about building your brand and, you know, be, you know, entrepreneurial kind of activities. So I think that's totally legit and cool. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you also have a website um, with a blog, TakeYourSuccess.com. Uh, I read through a couple of blog posts myself, really cool shit. Um, what do you want to kind of, can you highlight a little bit of what people could find there? So yeah, really it covers everything 
at least that I deem important in college success. So that's anything from, you know, my study systems to productivity strategies to, you know, staying mentally and physically healthy. Um, there's a bunch of career stuff about, you know, putting yourself in the best light in front of, um, recruiters and, uh, employers. So it's really, um, it's not just all my advice, even though I feel like I did really well in college. I also interviewed a bunch of top performing college students and kind of just tweaked my college system as I went. So it's kind of just my, a ton of advice that stemmed from my college experience, but also people across uh, the nation at different colleges and my readers and subscribers, um, think it's a really good resource. So I'd encourage people to check it out. Cool, man. So I kind of want to learn a little bit about you. Like I'm, I'm interested to know, because I mean, you know, so many people go to college and, and I think, you know, a lot of them succeed. Um, not many go on to write a book about it. Um, do a website that, you know, you do dedicated blog posts. I see that. And so kind of what, what started you on this path? If you don't mind me asking, like kind of what did it start in college or did you kind of have this kind of drive before you even entered school? So yeah, it all goes back from, um, the summer in between my senior year of high school and college freshman year. I actually got in trouble. Um, a couple of my friends made a bad mistake with fake IDs and, um, some, some trouble in a Kroger department store. But anyway, so we got in trouble and I was grounded and I really had time to think about, you know, life and what I wanted. And I decided that, you know, I didn't just want to waste my time in college. I really wanted to come out with a bang and, you know, make the most of it. So, and then I kind of thought about what career do I want? And I love the competition and kind of the hustle um, that you have to have to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't just want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be like this big law lawyer in New York City. So I set out to go to Harvard Law School. And that was kind of like my driving factor to doing really well in college. And with such a big goal, I had to push myself to kind of tweak my college classes. And, you know, I had to get basically an A on every exam and paper um, if I wanted to put myself in that best position. So I started to do that. In my first semester, I think I had like a 3.8 GPA. Then after that, I got an A in every single class. And from then on to senior year, and my friends and classmates started to notice. They're like, how do you do this? Like, I just got a D on that exam. You just got an A. You know, we studied pretty much the same amount of time. What did you do different? So from that, I started to um, notice that like people um, wanted this information. Instead of going on a bunch of one-on-one conversations, I'm like, let me just start a blog, which is where Take Your Success came. And I can just tell people, you know, my study strategies and my paper writing strategies. And it kind of just spread like that. And then other people were like, um, you know, I have this job interview coming up and I see you did really well with your job interviews and, you know, you landed a bunch of offers. How'd you do that? So then I wrote a book on it called The Golden Resume. And now uh, I'm a full-time author and entrepreneur. Um, I've written three books and yeah, the blog Take Your Success is doing well. So that's kind of the general overview, but. Wow. So. I think it's cool that you brought it up. Like you started out with this goal when you got into school of like, I want to go to Harvard Law School, and I, I think that's kind of what I, I talk a lot about on on our podcast. Is is you kind of have to have some direction, even if you don't go in with the specifics of knowing exactly where you want to go or you know what you exactly want to do. It's nice to just kind of know like, all right, I'm headed this way, and then you know, I imagine you you had to break it down, right? So how did it go from, I want to go to Harvard Law to, I mean, are you still, is that still your goal? I guess I should ask that first. 
No, yeah, that's a good question, but that's the thing. So I feel like having a goal is so important that it doesn't even matter if you like stick with it Mm -hmm. in the sense because your goals change, you learn about yourself. So the Harvard Law was kind of the thing that kickstarted it all because I knew I had to be like really successful with my classes and eventually the LSAT and all that. But then as I go through college, which college students do, you learn more about yourself, you learn more about what you like and, you know, dislike. So you can kind of pivot. Um, so I pivoted and kind of figured out, oh, I love the competition. I love the hustle, but I don't really like the work of being a lawyer. So let me pivot to be an entrepreneur, which still has that hustle and competition, but it's more about creating stuff, which I love doing. So in a sense, having a goal, I feel like important, even if you don't even stick with it, because it's kind of that North Star that you know inspires you or motivates you. And then if you pivot another way, it's not like everything you just learned goes away because you have a new goal. You can kind of take your experience and put all of that towards your new goal. Um, so I think that works. But obviously, you want you know you don't want to switch your goal every week or month or something. But yeah, yeah, I think that we're we're sort of alike in that way where we saw. I, it seemed like you kind of like figured out. Oh, you know what? Do, this system of of how college works is actually kind of cool and I could I like talking about this and and I think that that pivot point I I hope that people that listen like can listen to their gut intuition when when something like that kind of smacks them in the face like can you talk about that a little bit like what when did you realize you know what I could actually do something with this from just like you said it's like I imagine, the, like you said, it was a practical reason why you started the blog. It's just like, oh, I'm tired of saying the same thing to yeah. over and over. But like, when did you realize, like, you know what, this could actually become something other than just, you know, a way to direct my friends and not have to like spend countless hours telling them the same thing over and over. So yeah, I started the Take Your Success my senior year, and that was right during like LSAT studying, and it was just a whole different world. Like I'd have so much fun on this blog, writing blog posts, connecting with people. And studying for the LSAT was miserable. I mean, it's probably supposed to be, but I feel like if you want to be a lawyer, you got to somewhat enjoy that. And so I just saw this like complete dichotomy of what I loved and what I disliked. And so then I kind of take, so you kind of have that hope. I think the hope comes first and then you start taking these baby steps. So, you know, I would publish these blog posts. Um, I started like an email list and then just... The thing, uh, the thing that drove me, I guess, was I loved this whole like blog entrepreneur author thing so much that I was always like reading about it, always learning, watching other people, and I kind of figured out like if I love this so much, you know, I'm not always reading about these lawyers, I'm not studying them, I'm not, you know, having discussions about people like that, like I was with the blog. So I don't think it was ever some like you know specific moment that I was like, oh, I can do this. It was just a bunch of little things that added up. So you know, maybe my Email subscribers grew by 100 a month. Maybe my traffic grew by, you know, 5,000 from this month to the next month. So just those little steps, and that kind of gave me the confidence to take the full plunge. Um, yeah. And then it kind of snowballs from there. So, Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer to that. Um, so you're in college, and you started the blog when you were still in, in college, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, I I never ever considered any kind of doing any kind of entrepreneurial activity when I was in college. I, I really wish I had, you know, and even if I hadn't done anything successful, just like to have had the mistakes already happen and, and you know <laughs> learn the shit, then you know would have made you know my thirties a little bit better. Um, but never too late, right? Um, exactly. So 
what do you have to say about the value of, of kind of entrepreneurial activities as they relate to college? Because I kind of see people, a lot of people in college I talk to, a lot of students, like kind of see like the goal is the degree, you know, and it's like it they almost separated, I feel like, from the rest of their lives. And I feel like maybe that might have a little bit to do your answer. But um, that, that's something I see. But what, do you, what should college students, or why should college students, should I say, not wait to kind of begin thinking about and developing this entrepreneurial spirit if it, if it might exist in them? So I think they should, you know, go full head of steam towards this because just so much good comes out of it. And there's not really much bad that comes out of it. You know, maybe, maybe you spend some time or some investment money that could have gone elsewhere. But by all means, I feel like the reward is so high. Um, and I can just, you know, rattle off all the rewards, such as you learn about yourself, you learn about what you like, you learn about what kind of work you dislike, um, you learn about your industry. So whatever kind of entrepreneur step you take, you kind of learn about that, which you can use in interviews, um, you can use on your resume. Um, some people might make money out of it. You might, you know, make a full career out of it like I'm doing. And there's just so much good that can come out of it. And at this point in college, most people aren't like supporting a family and kids. So you're young and you have that, um, yeah, you have that drive. So whether you stick with it after college or whether it's just like a side hustle that you enjoy doing, um, I think you and I can agree that like the earlier you start, the more traction and steam that comes later. Um, so it's kind of all about putting that work in. And if you can start in college and have that momentum going forward, it, ju it just does so many good things for you that um, there's almost, yeah, no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about this with my brother um, over the summer. We went, we go on a, like a brother camping trip every year, and um, he's always been much more entrepreneurial than I. Like I've only really discovered this this part of myself in the last like two or three years, but he's had it since before, like since he was in high school. And uh, wow. we were like going back, and he's like, you know, I, I started so many businesses, and you know, the only he was talking about like one of the only ones that actually, um, you know, did anything. And I was like, yeah, but. You have had so much experience that I know the next one, because he's working on something now. Yeah. Um, I know the next one is actually, I have a good feeling about it. And even if you don't, you know, that one doesn't work, it's going to, you know, eventually this is going to lead somewhere because he's had so many of those like, oh, epic fell there. And like, yeah, whatever, he lost a thousand bucks. And that was like probably a lot of money to a 20 year old. But nowadays when he's sitting there at 33, it doesn't really mean anything. Exactly. <laughs> and the experience meant a lot, means a lot now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think experience is probably the biggest thing because in a college classroom, sure, you can learn a lot. You can learn about the theory, but there's nothing like, you know, getting out, out there in the real world and talking with people or customers or businesses or, um, you know, just your friends. Like, what do you think about this idea? Would you pay for it? How much would you pay? Um, and just, yeah, you get so much more in a college classroom where you're kind of being talked to. or um, And that's where I think the majority of the benefit comes from. Yeah, totally, totally agree. So I see a lot of things you're doing right that I, I'm, I'm kind of learning at the moment, like towards building a brand. You know, you mentioned you have an email list and, and you, you do blog posts pretty regularly. Um, and it's sort of, I think, probably led a lot to the traction you might get with your book sales. Um, how do you see building a brand? Because I've talked about it and I have my own thoughts about this, but how do you see it as relating to being successful uh, to being a, col a successful college student today? So I think it's huge and mainly it's so important because the competition today is so much higher than maybe like our parents or, um, you know, later generations had to deal with. 
because if you want to work at, you know, a lot of these great companies are hiring people from across the world, across the United States. For example, my buddy always wants to work at Nike. And I'm like, dude, that's one of the most competitive jobs out there. Like, what are you going to do to stand out? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just going to submit, you know, my resume like normal. <laughs> and I'm like, good luck to you because, yeah. you know, there's so there's so much out there. But I think the personal brand helps kind of separate you. And by that, I just mean, you know, your social media presence. Um, if you have a blog, maybe a YouTube channel, something, that's like your digital footprint that kind of, it's kind of like your, you know, gateway to you that it can either be a positive if you have a great one or it's a negative if you don't have one at all or, um, you know, you have like bad pictures on Facebook or something like that. And I feel like that's a great way to separate because for one, like employers are searching through social media to not only like check up on people, but also hire through there. And um, on a second level, I know like many stories of people who have gotten jobs just off their social media and sometimes skip the interview process altogether, where of course, if you don't have that, then you're just, you know, on the same level as everyone else. And I just think it opens a ton of doors for you. That's it, man. That that's a killer answer. And like what I'm all about too. It's like, you know, college degrees, sad to say, are kind of like a dime a dozen these days in terms of what a recruiter sees when they post a job and these, these applications come in. And like you said, that the, the, this idea of your, your online presence, whether it be a blog or even just like how you conduct yourself on social media is so, is going to be so tantamount in the future to your, you know, how you're perceived in terms of uh, your higher ability. I don't know if college students see that as, as clearly as they might hopefully in, in a few more years. And I'm really glad to be talking about it because I, I do think it's like so important. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's huge, I think. Um, so let's pivot. <laughs> let's pivot a moment to <laughs> talking about goal setting a little bit. This podcast, the, the reason I started it was really all about goal setting because I saw so many students that I would talk to, and, and my sphere is, is people with mental health issues, that would, you know, the, the main struggle would be, or the main, like I said, the goal would be like, oh, get through the semester, you know, pass or, or whatever. And I saw people devote so much energy to that, that, and their passions that they may neglect during that time. I didn't want them to be neglected. And that's kind of why I started it because I got so much out of listening to podcasts. I was like, you know, maybe if I got in somebody, in people's heads a little bit each week, that I can kind of inspire people to kind of, you know what, that other thing that I'm doing besides school, or even if the goal is school, that's cool too. Just keeping your mind on it. Um, how do you go about goal setting? Um, and I imagine you have like a lot of curiosities and a lot of passions. And it, it, I think it's constant worry for me, like spreading myself too thin. But um, I imagine you might must have some kind of process at this point. Can you, can you talk about it a little? Yeah, so I was just asked about this actually on another podcast. I think it's a great question. Um, but for me, it comes down to, first of all, I try to write down, um, whether it's you know pen and paper or just on a spreadsheet, I try to write down like every activity or kind of thing that's important to me, like on a list. And usually it's around you know anywhere from like 10 to 15 or 20. And then I, I order it down to like most important to least important. And then um, depending on that, I pick like the most important thing that I need to work on each day. So for me as an author, um, the books come ahead of the blog. So like during book writing season, 
every time I woke up, you know, I'd get my coffee or whatever. But then the first thing I do is just work on that most important thing. And I feel like that's huge because no matter what happens during the day, you know, if things come up later in the day, if, you know, I have a, I have a meeting or uh, maybe I just don't feel well later in the day or something like that, you know, something comes up, no matter what, I still got my most important thing done. And that most important thing obviously helps me accomplish my most important goal. So they just go together. But oftentimes what happens is I accomplish that most important goal. So I'll write for my book for two hours. And then everything after that is so much easier because I have this like full head of steam and this, you know, positivity and this confidence to tackle the smaller tasks like email or write a blog post or something like that. And yeah, it's just really cool to build that progress. So that's one thing is to start with, we'll kind of prioritize what you're, what you got going on and then, you know, pick out the number one thing and just stick to that in the morning. Or, you know, if you're morning super busy, maybe you want to do it like at lunch or in the afternoon, but whatever happens, just try to do that like the first thing overall. And that's what really helps me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I've also heard people say like, pick the thing you, you, you least want to do and do that first. And I feel like that often ends up being the most important thing. It's just like whatever you've been avoiding or it's whatever the thing that like, you know, you need to do, but it's hard to do. Um, so yeah, everything else becomes, it's like, well, I could always just answer some email. And then you know, <laughs> before you know it, you're dicking around on Facebook and it's like, oh, my whole morning shot and you feel exactly. terrible about yourself. And contrast that to what you're saying, and, and I try and do this as well, is like that first two hours of the morning for me are like my, my golden time. And it's like if I can like dedicate those couple of hours to something that I really needed to get done, even like you said, even if things go terrible, like I'm feeling good at like that I got that done. And even if, if things go as scheduled, I'm feeling like, wow, this was a great like start to my morning. Like, I wonder what else I could get done today, you know, kind of thing. And it becomes just like the momentum that you need to kind of carry you through and, and do the things beyond like what you're saying, like, or what I was saying, and kind of what we're both saying. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, it takes, it takes a special kind of person to like build a brand beyond and succeed in college was interested to know, we started to touch on this a little bit when you were talking about, you know, the habit of doing the most important thing every morning. What are some other strategies that you, or habits, I guess I'm thinking of, habits and routines that you kind of have instilled in your daily life that allowed you and continue to allow you um, to not only succeed at college, because for most college students, that's the number one goal, right? Um, but also do the extra stuff we're talking about, like building a brand or, or sort of having whatever entrepreneurial, you know, drive moves you. What, can you talk about any of those routines or strategies or habits? Yeah, so I find it really helpful. Um, we kind of talked about like having that major goal or whatever, which, you know, usually is around six months, a year away. It could be three years, whatever. So when you have that major goal, I always like to kind of break it down into chunks, which makes it a little less overwhelming and also just easier to kind of mentally visualize. So based off of that, you know, maybe I can, you know, have a couple steps leading up to it that I need to do. And then with that, so I'm kind of weird because I'm always on my laptop and, you know, on the left, so there's this trackpad in the middle of any laptop, obviously. Mm -hmm. And on the left and the right, um, I have a MacBook Pro, so I assume yours is similar. I do. On the left and right, yeah, there's that space. And I always have these two Post-it notes. So on the right, I'll have my weekly goal, which is everything I want to accomplish, usually like seven to ten things. Um, and that kind of – it helps me get like the things I need to do, but also the things I want to do. So that is there, and I just see it all the time. I'm on my computer. 
But on the left of that, I always make a daily list of things I need to do. And I usually write that the night before. And that way, kind of going on what I said about the last answer about starting in the morning, that way when I wake up, I'm just ready to go, just looking at that list and going. And I feel like a lot of college students don't even know where to start because they just you know, kind of mess around and they spend an hour thinking of what they should do instead of just doing it. So, and then when you add up, like when I accomplish everything on my weeks and do that, you know, four weeks in a row in a month, do that four months in a row, I'm really making a lot of headway towards that major goal. And that really helps me just to visualize how much closer I'm getting. And it also breaks it down, like I said, and instead of trying to climb a mountain, I'm just taking a couple of steps here and there. Yeah, that's a really good system because it's just so simple. Um, and, you know, very adaptable to, you know, whatever somebody might want to do, you know, slightly differently. Um, and I do the, the one too, the daily one. Um, that is like my, my number one habit for at least like decent productivity is like sitting down. I have like a master list of all of the things I have to do and it's just ugly. <laughs> and I'll like look at that and be like, all right, of this stuff, like what has to be done today? And that kind of isolates usually like five things. Um, that it's like, all right, this is my must do stuff. And no matter what it, it almost, I would say 90% of the time, like that stuff gets done and I'm able to, you know, like you're doing it, not only do the, whatever the full-time thing, but have time for these other like curiosities and passions and, and you work them in with, with, you know, little, like you said, chunkable goals in and of themselves. Um, so yeah, that's really good strategy to kind of have the weekly on one side and the daily on the other, not to mention that it, it's so visual, like it's always there, especially if you spend as much time on your computer as, as you, you probably do, you know, um, I am interested to know if you have any advice for college students in my sector, we're talking about ones with mental health issues, things like depression, anxiety, um, I wonder if you've come across any, any habits, tips, tricks, hacks uh, that might be applicable for this specific uh, population. So first of all, I definitely want to you know, proclaim that I'm not an expert in this field or anything and uh, don't have a lot of experience in this. Yeah. Uh, I definitely have my own issues, but uh, mental health, uh, I don't really struggle with that, mm -hmm. fortunately. But anyway, um, I do have a couple things that I think could help. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong because, like I said, I'm not very well-versed in this. But um, for me, it just comes down to – so, again, like through my productivity strategies and everything, it comes down to like simple steps. And for me, like it really helps just to um, – this might even be too simplistic. But for me, it's just you know eating healthy, working out, getting enough sleep, drinking water. Like those things just give you energy through the day to physically – you know, feel good and kind of physically get your stuff done, which might help you feel better. But then also, um, I think with college students, a lot of times they're given so much work, so many, you know, things to do, so many responsibilities that it's just good to have time for yourself. So, um, and almost no one that I know does this and that's to schedule your free time. So people will schedule, you know, I got a group meeting, I got a class to go to, I got that, but no one really schedules like free time. And I think that's really important whether the free time is, you know, running on campus or just walking or watching a movie or just doing something that like, you know, energizes and helps recharge you. You don't want your free time just be laying on your bed, staring at the wall, um, unless that's your like favorite thing, which I kind of doubt it. Um, and then kind of my last piece of advice, I always try to think of this, it just, you know, keeps me, keeps me balanced is that things are usually 
like never as good as you think they are, but they're also never as bad as you think they are. I think just having that kind of um, that kind of theme in your mind could help you um, in situations where yeah you might be feeling down and you're you know wondering oh my roommate's really happy or um, you know this other guy on social media looks like he has the best life. Really, I bet his life isn't as good as I think it is, and I bet you know your life isn't as bad as you think it is. So those are kind of my thoughts. I'd love to hear what you think because, like I said, uh, definitely don't want to act like I'm an expert on this. No, man, I appreciate you giving a stab, and it was good. Good, I appreciate the uh, the um, the tips you're able to provide. Uh, we do talk a lot about like wellness strategies, you know, just the the basics, the physical yeah. stuff. Um, and the connection between the mind and the body. So I definitely am glad that that kind of stuff got brought up today in conjunction with all the other things we're talking about because those are the building blocks. You know, you, you don't have the healthy mind if you aren't, you know, feeding it, exercising it, and all the things like you said. Um, I tend to agree with you on most of that stuff. I think I want to ask another question, just a slightly different way to kind of get at it. Even for somebody that doesn't struggle with things like depression, anxiety, I'm sure you've struggled at some time with failure um, and not achieving a goal that you really wanted. And I'm wondering if you could kind of shed some light on what you do in those situations. So, yeah, I think in those situations, um, and maybe it's just, Maybe I just have the benefit of like reading so much because I'm a you know blogger and author and I'm always reading and writing that I've almost feel like I've failed a lot through other people too just through hearing their story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like the entrepreneur thing, and that if you can like tell yourself that failure, obviously it's not a good thing, but failure definitely has some like value in it. And um, so for me, like when I fail you know, maybe my book launch doesn't go as well as I planned, or, you know, I have problems with my girlfriend, or, you know, get broken up with, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Initially, it sucks in the beginning, and I try to give myself, like, that space and time to just, you know, deal with it, and kind of take it all in and feel all those feelings. But then I usually set, like, a couple of days, so maybe, you know, like, seven days. I'll give myself seven days to think about it, um, depending on what it is. But then on that eighth day, I'm like immediately trying to think about kind of the good that can come from it or maybe not even good, just, you know, some different way to think about it that might create value or might help me share my story with someone else because there's always something that can come out of it. Um, And if your whole life is just, you know, rainbows, then you're probably one going to have, you know, not much value to give to other people because you won't be able to relate. So that's kind of my perspective, but yeah. Yeah, I um, I really like that. I don't think I've ever heard somebody kind of describe it that way of like kind of giving yourself a week to sort of wallow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've kind of thought of this myself, but not exactly in the way you described it. I appreciate that because uh, I've done that too. It's like you just, you know, you're really emotional about something, right? And you know, it's just got to run its course. And if you know yourself well enough, you can say like, hey, you know, I know that I'm feeling this way and it's totally natural to feel this way and I'm, I can't really fight it. So I just kind of got to say, I'm going to do this for a little while and then know that after a certain amount of time, it's not productive anymore. <laughs> and it's time to start, you know, using the experience to, you know, move on. And like I said, you, you give yourself permission to kind of like dwell for a while and then you don't give yourself permission anymore. So... Yeah, that was really good. Um, this was a really great interview, man. I appreciate you coming on and giving me some of your time. Um, how can some of the listeners out there learn more about you? 
So yeah, like we talked about my blog, takeyoursuccess.com. That's probably the best way because I'm posting two times a week. And I got a contact page if you ever want to reach out um, about anything. So you can just email me there. And then also if you want my book, How to College, um, it's kind of the book I wish I had in college. And it's for anyone from freshman to senior year because there, there's a bunch of stuff um, you know, for the freshman. There's a lot of different scheduling classes classes and then for the upperclassmen there's a bunch of career stuff and just productivity and uh, personal development stuff so you can get that book on amazon.com just type in how to college or type in my name brian robin and yeah i think that should be helpful and it's like three bucks kindle edition and then the paperback's like 10 bucks or whatever so if you just find like one or two things helpful and there's 80 rules in there then i think it's gonna be worth your time and your money hey great price point three bucks (laughs) can't beat it i will be picking it up Uh, And I will be linking it up for you in our show notes for today's episode. Uh, I will be providing links for both Take Your Success and the Amazon link for Brian's book. Just side question, what does it take to write a book? You've written uh, three books now? Three books, yep, in less than a year if you count like published dates. Wow. Um, So is it just that, that number one routine of like writing every day for a certain number of hours that is the main driver? Like, is there any other secret to, to being able to, to produce like that in terms of like specifics of like writing a book? So yeah, are you asking for like the kind of productivity, like overview, or are you asking for like the specific? No, I just wondered if there was anything else other than what you had mentioned in the in the earlier um, portion of the interview about just writing every morning and making that the priority. Uh, I just think it's really impressive that you're able to to write not only one but three books at this point. Um, so I just uh, was wondering if there was anything else like kind of unique to book writing that you did other than the you know the content. Yeah, I think like everything else, it's, you know, the mental side's the most important. And a lot of people are like, oh, this book, this super scary thing, like, I can't do this. You know, what if it fails? What if I get bad reviews? And for me, I look at a book as just a bunch of blog posts, like, put together. Um, obviously, you know, it needs a little more quality and uh, out of it. But it's really just a bunch of writing stacked on top of each other. And then at the end of the road, it's a book where, you know, someone could journal for, a year straight and they don't think it's a book but really you know if they just have that mindset that that they can write a book um, it's just a bunch of little steps like we talked about during this interview I think that really helps so for me I kind of take the pressure off with you know it's just a bunch of writing maybe I set a goal for two hours of writing or 1,000 to 2,000 words a day and then I'm just kind of crazy and weird and I just stick to it like every single day so um, where I think other people just get tired or you know do it try to do it at the end of the day and then get tired and put it off and for me, it's like the first thing I do and just stick with it. And then obviously, like anything in life, you get better at it. So the first book, you know, took longer, was harder, a lot of, a lot of growing pains. And the second book, much quicker. And the third book, I feel, you know, like I've mastered the system. Um, and then there's some writing stuff, you know, like creating an outline and kind of doing your research in advance that helps. But mostly it's just getting the right mental framework and then kind of executing and doing the work. So Cool, man. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience. I was... Uh... I just finished my own my first uh, online course. Congrats! And, uh, that's big. Thanks. Yeah, it was a similar thing. It was just like huge, and I was like, "This is going to be huge." But like you said, you just kind of like chunk it out, and like the first thing I did was I took a week off from work. I just happened to have <laughs> like an extra spare week, unbelievably, um, yeah. in the beginning of the year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to dedicate that week to like writing the content. And every morning, I wrote you know five hours or so. Uh, and that was like, once I had done that, I was like, well, 
you know, I can't not do anything with this now. And that was really <laughs> like, I needed that first boost. Like that was what helped me. I'm going to try and do that again this January. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so excited now to do the second one because I was like, there's so many things you learn when the first time you do something that big, it's like, I can't wait to do it and not make those mistakes and see how it comes out. So, yeah, I'm um, sure you'll find it'll, you know, go better and go quicker for you and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate uh, having you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, like I said, stick with it. You got a great thing going here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care. See ya. Okay, we are back. And I hope you got as much enjoyment and value out of that interview as I did. Um, Brian's a really cool guy, and uh, you should definitely check out his book. I purchased it myself. It is, uh, I think, $2.99, so it's really reasonable. Um, and there's a lot of great tips packed in there. So um, thanks again, Brian, for coming on the show. So to wrap up today's home exercise, what are we going to work on this week to get us closer to our goals? So if you remember last week, as we do every first episode of the semester, we set a goal, right? And I talked to you guys about my goal as well. I want to uh, do well in my course, my um, graduate course I'm taking. And so far, so good. I had a good week one. I kept up with everything. Um, as soon as I get off with this podcast, I'm going to be returning to that. So uh, I hope everyone did follow along uh, last week and think about, even if they didn't write it down, um, there's still an opportunity for that, but thought about what they wanted to get out of this semester, right? Whether it's an educational goal, I want to, you know, get an A in a certain class, I want to pass all my classes, I want to um, get better at managing my anxiety, I want to stop using cigarettes, I want to lose weight, I want to exercise more, I want to make new friends, I want to find a girlfriend, I want to have more sex. <laughs> I don't give a shit what your goal is. Uh, it just got to be something you really effing want. And something that, you know, it could be school-related. I'm totally cool with that. I know probably majority of people's goals are school-related. It doesn't have to be, though. As I've mentioned in the past, I made this podcast because I worry about students putting other life goals related to passions of theirs on hold while they focus on school. And I'm here to tell you, you could focus on both. And if you could leverage your passion into your schooling uh, activities, you will enjoy school so much more and you will um, do better. I mean, I, I can't imagine you not doing well when you fold your passions into your, um, you know, curriculum tasks, assignments and whatnot. And that's kind of a cool thing about graduate school. I, I know it's not, I know it's harder to do an undergrad. Uh, so that was week one. So this week, now that you have a goal, it's going to be time to map it out. Um, a goal is just an idea, <laughs> and an idea is just kind of a random thought that doesn't have anything attached to it until you attach something to it, right? The steps, right? So wherever you wrote down your goal last week, go go return to it now, or if you haven't, here's your opportunity to catch up. I get it. For week one, we may have uh, had a little, a uh, few other important things going on in your mind. So return to it now. Now, Figure out what the major parts of that goal that jump out to you are, right? For me, my goal, the major parts are going to be um, the different like major assignments, right? I have this group assignment I was looking at this morning. I was like, ooh, this is going to be big. I got to get started on this now. Like, that's a big chunk. Um, 
staying up to date with the uh, discussion forums for me is a big chunk and I'm going to have to really rely on routines and habits to keep up with that and not get behind. So figure out the different chunks and then begin to break each goal, I mean each chunk down into further steps. So you don't have to do this with every chunk at once, right? You might just pick the first piece of your goal to say, all right, this is where I'm going to start. And with this chunk, I see, you know, the first three steps being these things. One, two, three. Write them down. And if you feel so inclined, give yourself um, some deadlines as well. Like they could be stepwise deadlines. Like I want to get step one done by this week. Step one due by next week. Step three done by two weeks from now. Or maybe you just give a deadline to the whole chunk to say, all right, I want to be done with this chunk of this goal in a month from now and write it down in your calendar and write the steps into your calendar or on your task list. Um, this will help you with accountability. This will, you know, if you're, I suggest talking to other people about this goal too for accountability reasons, right? That helped me tremendously when I quit smoking cigarettes. I talked about it and I helped, I found people that also wanted to quit and we were accountable to one another. Um, so that's an idea as well, but, um, get it out there to people and write this first few steps down, break it out into chunks and keep that piece of paper somewhere or, or that file that you have on your computer saved, like on your desktop, like keep it somewhere that you will see it obviously. And that will kind of prompt you to be like, Oh, what can I do to work on this goal today? You know, what's that little step I can do? All right. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, hope that week two brings you a lot of uh, interesting things that you learn in college. And I hope that it brings you sort of a, a calmness about you as you feel prepared to go into uh, you know, the remaining 13 weeks of the semester. You know, are you on top of your organization? If not, this is a good week to get it done. Right? Get things uh, organized, figure out when you're going to be taking care of what all right. Hope you guys enjoyed. Be back at you next week. Peace.